Welcome back to the Voices of Government IT, sponsored by Unisys. This month, we're discussing the modernization revolution. Here's your moderator, Tom Timmon. Welcome and thanks for listening. Our guests today are P.V. Puvada, president of Unisys Federal, Amy Rawl is group vice president at Unisys, and Adelaide O'Brien, research director for Government Digital Transformation Strategies at IDC. It's good to have you all on. And let's begin with a pretty important and interesting survey that Unisys has just completed among federal executives. And PV, why don't you give us the rundown on what that's all about? Thank you, Tom. As you mentioned recently, we conducted a survey on IT modernization so that we understand from a stakeholder perspective from within the government, several factors as it relates to IT modernization. So it's conducted by a company called Market Connections. It is statistically significant survey. I've done about 200 people, 50-50 from civilian and defense agencies. A significant number of folks are people that are in the decision-making of the modernization priorities as well as contracting, et cetera. So also functionally uh, varied from program to delivery to CIO shop, acquisition, and budget people. So it's a, it's a broad-based spectrum. So we found lots of interesting things that come out of this survey. And uh, just to give you a little bit more background on the kind of the questions that we asked, asked what was driving the prioritization of the modernization. So what are the main reasons why they're uh, taking on the IT modernization efforts and challenges that they have faced as part of the journey and after the journey and specifically give us input around how they see as resources that are being allocated for existing legacy systems as well as the benefits that they see, and went even deeper along certain things about ask the agency uh, stakeholders to self-score effort grades along technical factors, process factors, and business factors. So lots of information, lots of interesting sort of things uh, that came out of it. And Amy, what were some of the findings that you found significant? So first of all, um, cybersecurity was a top concern of every executive. They saw it as a reason to drive modernization. They saw it as a benefit of modernization, but they also were concerned about how modernization would be aligned to cyber efforts as they go forward with their modernization efforts. So that's a significant one, but not probably a big surprise. Certainly not. The other one that struck me is um, very self-aware and also um, an important thing to consider is stakeholder engagement. All of the surveillance seemed to come down with the recognition that modernization efforts can't be handled within just the IT shop, that it has to be buy-in from the broad mission-based community, the stakeholder community, and in many cases, interagency stakeholder community. Um, And I think it really benefits that drive of mission outcomes, which is where the president is going with his modernization efforts. It's where cyber lives with mission outcomes. And I think those two tie nicely together. Yeah, that's an interesting finding because when you start hearing words like interagency and stakeholders brought into all this, it really shows, I think, a maturing in the way CIOs perhaps look at this whole idea of modernization and what their customers see in it. It it both makes it more challenging because you can't modernize in a silo, right? And you're modernizing against your entire IT stack. 
It's the apps layer. It's the cloud layer. It's your network layer. It's your cyber layer. Um, but it also is, as you pointed out, very encouraging because they're seeing opportunities for shared collaboration and shared services as a way to accelerate change. And Adelaide, what struck you in the survey, especially from your point of view of kind of looking across many industries here? Well, and especially it for government, we know that in government, many of their systems are decades old and, and they've built up what we call technical debt. Uh, and this can actually constrain modernization and digital transformation. It actually creates innovation impasses, uh, such as the ability then to deploy cybersecurity. And what is technical debt precisely? Well, it's, it's the agencies haven't been able to take, take advantage of some of the newer technologies, like what we call third platform technologies. They're beginning now to deploy mobility, cloud, big data analytics, cybersecurity, and, and social business. And, and so they're starting on the, the technology transformation. But as Amy pointed out, you know, it needs more than just technology. Um, agencies also have to have that collaboration. They have to think very broadly of the ecosystem that they sit in. And they have to really understand what their constituent needs are and kind of redesign the agency for that as they're going through from IT modernization into digital transformation. Um, and, and so we think that that's very, very critical for them to have kind of that much bigger view in, in terms of uh, changing, uh, modernizing, and then designing for the future. So PV, it sounds as if they understand some of the new terminology because what we used to call, and you recall this too, e-government, and then that became kind of online transactional government. Now that's given way to digital government, which implies a lot of other integrations that maybe weren't there for e-government, correct? Uh, correct. It's the latest version of those um, looking across the government as an enterprise and taking modern approach to the transformation that Adelaide is talking about. So it's all about uh, providing digital services to citizens, and it's also conducting the the government of business in an efficient manner using di digital government, if you may. Uh, what is interesting about this, uh, where we are at, is it gives a great opportunity for people to think about uh, the outcomes, um, as Adelaide was in, um, is talking about, on how we could achieve better outcomes. And uh, just technology just becomes a means to get there as opposed to uh, culturally in our community. You know, we spent a lot of time about technology, what ifs. And so what is clear is people really understand how to get to those outcomes and transform and using technology to actually provide those services. And Amy, do you get the sense from these results also that the end-using groups, the mission owners and so forth, and even managers who are dealing with employees internally, as PV indicated, some of the <coughs> digital government is applied inward. Do they understand the capabilities and the types of things that can be delivered now under digital services uh, regardless of whether it's easy to get there or not. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, that's where one of the biggest challenges, I think, comes for the IT leadership community in the federal marketplace. The internal users, whether they're law enforcement, a, um, a civil survey, or the citizen has an experience working now with the Internet and how they get and consume services from commercial public, you know, commercial services. So they want those same experiences for the applications and information that they're trying to get within their agency, whether it's the simple you, I know what I was starting to type in. Somehow Google knew what I meant and showed me the answer. That's the simplest way to describe it. They want their apps to act that way inside when they're operating with them. 
Um, and then they also want mobility and things that they're used to doing day to day in their everyday lives to be something that they can also expect from their agency. So there's a big expectation gap versus capability gap right now that uh, agencies are trying to close. And th this is the way to get there. Now, as a services firm and integrator, Unisys is probably always patrolling the landscape for the small vendors that you can bring into the services that you offer and combine them with the products that you have. And I heard one CIO recently say that he's kind of concerned about the technology industry uh, lack of understanding that might be in, uh, extant in federal practitioners. So I wonder if that's one of the resource gaps, if you will, is the knowledge of what the latest technologies can do and bring it to the market. So from our perspective, we want to bring the best team to the table to be able to deliver in a way that um, achieves things that needs to be done within the government. It's, a, it's an interesting question. And I think from our perspective at Unisys, we want to bring the best uh, combination of teams that includes uh, folks that are bringing new technologies, new skills, and we want to be the vehicle to kind of bring that together and manage the risk of how do you modernize these systems, right? So it's also about um, cultural change that happens as a result of technology capabilities. Uh, for example, as we're going through the migration to the cloud, adopting cloud within government agencies, the organizational change management within the, the companies that provide it as well as within the agencies is a critical enablement element. To invest in skills, for example, in these cloud providers, um, there is a research that's done when you get to 10% of your skills, uh, your people certified in cloud provider technologies, you'll have a cultural change and a cultural transformation. So that's what we're doing is kind of partner with these players as well as us invest in skill sets with our uh, people and work with um, our customers in understanding how we can help them and get that same enablement going. Sure. So, but it's a, it's a very, very important transformational uh, element that people have to pay attention to. Yeah, so that it gets to the idea of the cultural change and the knowledge change and the skills change. And Adelaide, there's also some technology changes that enable this. Maybe you could discuss, for example, PV mentioned cloud. Well, to have agility and mobility and portability among clouds, you have to take a different technical approach. Maybe an API on top of your virtual machines instead of just shipping data and so forth to this cloud provider or that cloud provider. What are some of the other critical success factors on the technical side? Well, you know, one of the interesting things uh, about digital transformation, it does involve the technology, and, and I've talked a little bit about uh, some of the third platform technologies, but we're also seeing government start to deploy um, transition from just uh, cloud to multi-cloud services. We're seeing them transition from big data to advance in predictive analytics, machine learning, and cognitive. Governments are now starting to think about how they might use all of the information that they're collecting from IoT. But, but what's interesting and what Amy and PV have pointed out as well is that in addition to the technology, it takes other skills within government to really move and modernize their IT and to actually transform the business. And we've talked a little bit about leadership and having that ecosystem understanding. And that's not only what other agencies you might need to work with, to share information with, 
but it's at the federal, at the state level, at the local level, and it also involves NGOs and other partners. So as government starts to design their future, they need to think about how that ecosystem will require them then to design the right technologies then to get to the future that they want. We talked a little bit about um, the skills in the workforce. That's another key area. And PV talked about some of the cloud skills and how that's going to change. We're going to see people go from, say, managing servers then to really having a different relationship with vendors. Uh, We're going to see skills like agile being deployed. Uh, We're going to see skills like human-centered design thinking. So these are all skills that kind of go along then with the technology because the technology is there. Uh, The systems integrators can bring you the technology and and the technology companies can, but government really has to kind of step up now and and really um, support that technology through the leadership change. They have to look at uh, their, their skills in the workforce. They also have to change their operational model. And that comes from really thinking about their goals and outcomes and redesigning it to serve their citizens better. Okay, great thoughts. On that note, we're going to take a short break. My guests today are P.V. Puvada, president of Unisys Federal. Amy Rawl is group vice president of Unisys. And Adelaide O'Brien, research director for Government Digital Transformation Strategies at IDC. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This is Voices of Government IT, sponsored by Unisys. This month, we're discussing the modernization revolution, the way forward, here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. A recent study from Unisys says cybersecurity is the number one issue governments grapple with today. Most say IT modernization projects actually increase security challenges. America needs a trusted partner to secure its high-value assets. Unisys was the first to bring government to the cloud and the first to enable agencies with more efficient technologies. Their stealth cyber cloaking and micro-segmentation solution isolates, analyzes, and stops threats before the breach, securing your tomorrow and protecting the critical today. See the research at unisys.com slash modernization. Welcome back to Voices of Government IT, sponsored by Unisys. Today, we're discussing the modernization revolution, the way forward. Our guests are P.V. Puvada, president of Unisys Federal, Amy Rawl, group vice president of Unisys, and Adelaide O'Brien, research director for Government Digital Transformation Strategies at IDC Federal. I'm your host, Tom Temin. And before the break, we were talking about the survey that Unisys has completed and getting a good snapshot of what federal executives are thinking. I want to talk for a moment about the MGT Act, which is not an act yet, but it's part of the 2017 Defense Authorization Bill, which we presume will become law eventually, and that the president will sign it because it kind of jives with both this administration and the last administration proposal. And so, PV, again, we'll start with you. Just describe the MGT Act and what are some of the features important there with respect to modernization. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Modernization of Government Technology Act is what it stands for, MGT Act. Um, What is interesting about this effort, this um, act, is that there is bipartisan support from both sides of the aisle. Uh, Working collaboratively, they crafted... um, an act that enables agencies to get funds to modernize their technology. And typically, agencies have to be constrained by, for the most part, by annual budget appropriations. That does not allow forward planning, longer-term planning about what is your modernization roadmap. So the two important features, if you may, are revolving funds that are centrally managed, perhaps by GSA, 
through a board that makes the decisions on which modernization efforts uh, need to be funded. And then agency-level working capital funds that allows them to kind of get the working capital funds and pay it back um, to replenish that fund so that you can um, apply that to next modernization effort. So it's a significant way forward for agencies to think about how do we um, not only fund, but how do we operate in a model that's uh, constantly paying for success as opposed to cut the budgets uh, for success, which is traditionally the case. So we're all encouraged uh, by by this um, uh, upcoming act. I think it's going to be a biggest uh, boost in many ways to uh, take on the modernization efforts and um, the the funding uh, is not significant in the initial uh, allocation in FY18 uh, budget, but it is a way forward. Um, and there are lots of things that need to be worked out uh, from now till uh, December when law is likely to become an act, and from there to operationally how this is going to happen. In Adelaide, I guess there is something implicit in this law, which is the uh, shibboleth really in Washington, that modernization and updating systems will save money that you can measure and then give back. Is that a fair assertion? Uh, yes, and as a matter of fact, you know, what we've seen is cloud is typically chosen initially and has been historically uh, for the cost efficiency and the cost savings that it has. But one of the things that we're starting to realize that in addition to that, agencies are seeing cloud is also allowing them to automate so many different services um, and, and we see in the IT shop, it's a, it's a way for them to get new services, to get backup capability. So in addition to helping them become more efficient, and this bill, as, as PV indicates, will help them. It's a first step. The ability then to, to take some of those savings and put them back into the agency to select their next priority project is important. Um, and, and so, yes, it's efficient but it's also allowing them to deploy many new services much, much quicker. And that, that's a key element of cloud as well. And Amy, what do you think the agency's equipage is to be able to take advantage of this new funding, assuming it comes through? And I think we can safely say that. Are they, are they ready to roll on it? Well, clearly, when you talk to um, many of our CIO customers, their two mantras are make it cheaper, go faster. So from uh, hearts and minds, they're certainly ready. What do they say? <laughs> you can have it quicker, better, faster, just quicker, better, cheaper, just name two of the above. Right. Well, I think they're expecting all three. Um, and so the the thing that they've got to wrestle through, though, is the governance model around this and that you need to tie this back to those mission benefits. And so how are they going to measure that? What sorts of uh, tools do they have to demonstrate that TCO as real TCO and saving sometimes is not just I turned off a server, I shut down a legacy environment. It's also savings on the mission side. So it could be that we processed X number of things uh, faster. We saved money and the time and number of people required to do a certain uh, citizen service. And so they they have got to get to that portfolio view, which many of them have been driving towards for a number of years. But this is going to force that to be a real thing in order to take advantage of those dollars. And to pay them back as demanded by the act also. Yes, exactly. All right. So uh, then where do they get started? I mean, how do you I guess that requires a prioritization of what it is to modernize so you can because otherwise the whole three billion dollars will go down the drain in, in seconds. 
And so I guess the question is, what is a roadmap for agencies? Where do you know where to begin? PV? So you kind of start with what um, we call high, high value and high risk elements, right? Um, so these are um, assets that are very high value to the mission, to the security of the country, and to the operation of the agencies that are also high risk in from a cyber perspective as well as lack of performance perspective. So the prioritization scheme is to kind of look at high value, high risk elements first. But the bigger uh, challenge that agencies have to work through is where does this fit in with a multi-year roadmap and what is the sequencing of it? And what is a must-do versus what is also a long-hanging fruit where you can demonstrate success with the newer technologies, as Adelaide talked about. Uh, cloud will give you faster uh, capability to get to what you need to do faster. And then put together a business case to uh, apply for the funds um, so you can demonstrate clearly the metrics as well as the cost savings and your ability to pay it back and replenish it. So it's first the prioritization with, from within your portfolio, first address the high-risk elements and high-value elements, then uh, where you get the big bang for the buck. So it's a uh, mechanism by which um, you can just kind of figure out um, how you have a best chance of actually getting allocated um, with these funds. Because when you mention high value and also security and what are the high risk, that tends to lead, I think, agencies back to their legacy applications. Some of these big, in the case of the IRS, for example, like uh, assembly code applications they've been talking about for 25 years, VAs, case management, and, and, uh, and uh, patient scheduling system, case management all over the government, all these COBOL and so forth. It seems like those would be the initial targets agencies have been hacking at for a long time, but can't quite seem to get around. So the the critical functions that are at the heart of agencies' operations and uh, combined with what you just described as, they haven't been modernized for a number of years, whether they've been too hard to do, they didn't have the money, but there, uh, there are a lot of vulnerabilities related to not only the security, but also technology um, is so far behind. Uh, vendors may not be supporting those technologies in many cases. That means you got to have works around. Uh, that's, you know, in sense, um, you have pointed to the right sort of approach in many ways in where to look at. But um, then they have to deliver once they get the funds to apply to those. That's exactly right. And so that's always a challenge with modernization efforts, right? Is that um, I think if you talk to many of our federal uh, IT leaders, they, I don't think they've ever felt like they've been off a modernization path <laughs> um, and that some of the things that they modernize are now modernizing again. And so we've made uh, some clear recommendations on you. The first thing is to actually get started, right? And that you can analyze yourself into a no man's land and, and not actually build anything new. And so with agile methodology, with the cloud environments that are coming around, it really does accelerate change and getting to results uh, faster um, I've heard some customers say we're looking to fail early. I don't know yet that I believe that they're really open to failure, uh, but they are open to adopting new ways of application delivery or infrastructure delivery so that they can actually get to those results. And I want to get to the president's, uh, the administration's report uh, the on IT modernization, their draft 
uh, pre-decisional draft. But I have one quick question here for you, Adelaide. And when you get to a legacy application, it has lots of data going back umpty-ump years on maybe millions of people or hundreds of millions of people. But it might be fronted with assembly code or COBOL code. So what is the essential challenge of modernizing an application like that such that you can not only get it into modern code, but also use that data for digital services? Yes, well, um, one of the things that we're seeing is agencies starting to deploy big data and analytics. And um, that gives them access to a lot of the data that they have and historically they haven't used. Um, and we think that's very, very critical. And that's actually one of the, um, the critical elements of digital transformation is to, to, a, to be able to analyze that data and make sense of it and make much better data-driven decisions. And that'll be the, the next step coming after that will be when agencies start to uh, move beyond that and start to use additional technologies. But right now we see about, oh, about 25% of the agencies that we talk to are at a pretty mature stage in starting to deploy data and use big data and analytics for better decisioning. Okay, and I did want to get to that White House report on IT modernization. As PV has pointed out, it's a pre-decisional draft. What are you taking away from it? There are three fundamental elements that are highlighted there, and obviously we're going to see an updated version based on the comments. So the priorities are to modernize networks and consolidate networks. And as part of doing that, have a enterprise-wide view of cyber and shared services to enable uh, future network architectures. That means uh, faster use of uh, commercial clouds, accelerated adoption of those clouds, uh, improving um, existing uh, shared services, but also creating new shared services. And more investments in resourcing of federal network IT modernization. Um, so those are the key elements. Uh, but what is different about this is the speed at which the policy is being made with these. Expectation is pretty much all of these milestones need to be achieved within 365 days of the finalization. Um, so that is going to enable a lot of change uh, in the modernization. Um, so they're all kind of consistent with what we talked about earlier in terms of where the stakeholders said they want to go. But this is an enterprise-wide view, more emphasis on shared services than what people are used to seeing. Okay, and uh, Amy, in the last few seconds that we have, your take on that report, and can agencies use that as kind of a roadmap? I think it's really exciting to see us at the point where at a policy level and at an act level, we're seeing modernization be something that's funded and talked about in this way. So agencies will certainly be motivated to take advantage of this to be a forcing function in some cases to drive some of the change they've wanted to. Um, we've had customers talk about it's hard to explain to a mission operator why I need to go to cloud um, when that, maybe your application doesn't even change at first. And so this will help drive some of those outcomes that they know will make their IT environment more secure, more nimble, more flexible, and able to ultimately deliver better service. But clearly the pace is picking up here. Certainly, absolutely. All right. Well, that's a great note to end on. And I want to thank today's guests, P.V. Puvada, the president of Unisys Federal. Amy Rawl is the group vice president at Unisys. And Adelaide O'Brien, research director for Government Digital Transformation Strategies at IDC. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Tom Temin, federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM.
Thank you for listening to the Voices of Government IT series sponsored by Unisys on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com slash Unisys.